Hello, listener. Welcome back to Serendipity City. This episode starts with a recap. So without further ado, let's catch up with Iroh, Nancy, and Fox. So recap so far, a druid named Gail came to the bar and talked to y'all about a job. He came to you specifically because Iroh and Nancy had previously worked with the druids on fixing a pollution issue in the grove. The pollution issue was sort of temporarily better and then was not better. And now there's a decent part of the sacred grove that's dying and they have no idea what's causing it, but they wanted to hire the crew to see about fixing it. Y'all negotiated argued in front of him for like at least 15 minutes <laughs> then eventually got the job nancy and iroh and fox are on their way to the sacred grove charlie and vex went to vex's place and that's sort of where we're picking back up is with you guys i don't know if you wanted to pick up in the speakeasy or if you wanted to pick up like on your way to the sacred grove or what works best Let's for y'all. Let's do the speakeasy so we can have another vi- a montage in a vehicle. All right. Do you have any planning to do, I guess? I do not. I, no, the plan was just to go to the grove. I think um, we just need to get get boots on the ground and, and see what's up. Yeah. All right. So you guys get into Fox's fancy. Yeah. Nancy definitely changes first. Though. <laughs> 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 so wait, first we... I was like the, the one with the two like pretty characters the pretty fancy characters and he's like Ugh. i feel like these two would probably have a fashion montage first for it's yeah, like oh, yeah. okay <laughs> it's it's time to go to the grove we need to work it first out of these hills <laughs> so there's a fashion montage where you change into i'm assuming stylish but uh forest trek worthy appropriate yes. clothes well a few a few different ones have you ever seen um oh what is that movie called? Something Beverly Hill. It's like a troop mom from the Beverly Hills has to be like a, a mom to these Girl Scouts and she like dresses all House fancy. House Bunny? No. Oh. It's a Troop Beverly yeah. Hills. It's a Disney movie and she's like all fancy and she like, let's go out to the wilderness. And she's like all dressed up and then she's like, has people setting up her camps. That sounds <laughs> that's amazing. How, that's how I feel Fancy Nancy is. Like she's like, let's go and she still has heels on and guys like, why did you even change? Because <laughs> like, this is my wilderness outfit. This one is greens and brown, so it blends in with the yes, woods. Definitely. Can we like match colors? Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yes, I love it. Um, do you leave? Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, Jennifer. I was just saying we were ridiculous. <laughs> I love it. Um, do you leave the gecko at the bar? Does the gecko oh, no, come he's with you? With me. Okay, cool. Does, is there like? A shoulder holster for your gecko, or does he just ride a on holster? your shoulder? I don't know. I don't know what words are. That's not my job. <laughs> no, he just hangs out there. Okay, cool. He um, has like a miniature tie. And are you still wearing a suit, or are you dressed in like fashion safari clothes? Oh, a suit all the way. <laughs> okay, but it's coordinated. Yes. Yeah. It's a green suit. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Cool. Iro is still wearing what he wears. Yes. Iro is still wearing like overalls and a work shirt yeah and his duster yeah speaking of dear listener if you have not checked out the character art on the website you should go do that because it's amazing yes it's very good gratuitous plugs out of the way and fashion montage out of the way y'all pile into the 1920s style tesla-esque sports car i i want to i want to know what is fox's driving style like like are you a very careful driver are you a reckless driver careful i mean i can't scratch up the car okay that's what i thought but i wanted to wanted to make sure 
So there's a very, uh, very slow, measured, smooth ride to the sacred grove. This is way different than riding on Vex's most motorcycle, by the way. <laughs> Nobody's fallen out. Yeah, we haven't had any, any near misses. Is there a level of technology or something such that there is a radio in the car? Ah, oh, there should be. Yeah, let's do it. But what I like that. kind of music is Fox playing? That's right, Fox. What kind of music are you playing? So that's a tough question. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll circle back. <laughs> you guys make it to the Sacred Grove, and then I assume you do. So last time, um, Jennifer, we discussed how Fox has sort of like a glamoured tarp so that when he like parks the car near the Sacred Grove, he can cover it with that, and it just sort of makes it like super non-obtrusive and blend into the background, was I believe. It's like a really on? shitty car. Yeah, it just looks like a, a shitty unobtrusive car that nobody's going to pay attention to. Like so. a rust bucket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically. Exactly. I think your exact reference point was rat, rat rods. Rod? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Because I just went over that audio. Yeah, so you guys make it to the Sacred Grove. Do you start by looking for any particular thing? Do you just walk in? Do you, do you think that um, when you worked with the druids before, do you think that you were invited to like their actual village or did they come and find you? So I, I kind of just based off of what we've gleaned from the druids so far, kind of think that they've tried to really sort of contain where outsiders are allowed to go and what they have access to. So I imagine that there was a particular site where they were like, we need you to go here. And if you have questions, you can come, you know, find us or something like that. But we're not like being invited into their homes necessarily or anything like that. So probably Iroh would want to go find the particular site where we had decontaminated things previously and see what the state of that is and see if we can figure something out right. as to when the last time when we saw it. And and if that site was, you know, okay, then go to where the contamination is now and probably see, like, where, the, if the two points meet or, like, how far apart they are. Just yeah. do some right. general investigating. Yeah, and I think that I believe... What we discussed last time was that Gail probably gave you all directions yes. to like the specific spot where the contamination is. Mm-hmm. So um, when you head there, what you see is so the sacred. We've talked about this some, but like you know, just for scene setting, the sacred grove is sort of like it's a mix of extremely old growth, like redwood scale trees, and smaller like oak trees. It's not super thick. Um, what I'm picturing when I think of this is you see these photos from like the Pacific Northwest of the trees that are so close together, like running in a straight line through the forest would be like a hazard to your health. And I'm not picturing quite that thick. I'm picturing more like the forest of the Ozarks where I grew up, where like there's probably, uh, you know, obviously it's not hundred percent, um, standard because it's nature, but like a solid, like six to 10 feet between most trees, sometimes like 20 feet, depending on the, uh, canopy above and like where the light can fall everything is super super green but as you're walking towards this spot that you've been given directions to you notice that like there are more and more trees where the leaves are wilting um where all of the moss has like completely died on the trees and on the rocks around them there are like some weird brown spots in the grass and then as you head to the center of this contamination site which is the same place that you went before when you were um working on the pollution it goes from like brown to black. And so there are trees that have started to fall over because they're just rotting away at the roots. There's like patches of just completely bare dirt, no grass, there's no moss on anything. And it just looks like a burn site almost, like that that sort of like barrenness. 
think Iroh would try to scratch off with uh, his knife some samples, just sort of stow them away in his pouch for looking at later. That makes sense. What are you rolling over there for? I have foresight. I have to roll before mission begins. Oh, okay. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> What's foresight do? I, at the beginning of a session, roll with spirit on a 10 plus, um, take two holds, which I had five, six, seven, eight, plus two spirit, so that is 10. I get two holds, and I can say in the middle of somewhere if something bad's going to happen. Um, and we get a plus one ongoing to avoid impending disaster. Cool. Wow. So I can, I will stop, and y'all will know when I have a vision. All right, all right. <laughs> I like being with scene. you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, sorry. That's no, that's good. Game. I was like, crap, I need to roll that. <laughs> um, I definitely stop before it gets like too dirty, like right where the brown turns to black, and I kneel down and put my hand to the ground. All right. And I am going to roll. Well, was, would uh, that count as an object, or would I have to pick up like a tree? Um, which one are you rolling for? Uh, it says whenever you study or examine an interesting object. Yeah, I think that that's probably fine for the purposes of this roll. I'm not going to make you, like, pick up a singular twig and then give you the lifespan of this twig. <laughs> Please. <laughs> no, just kidding. Don't do that. <laughs> so it says, whenever you um, roll on a seven to nine, ask one question. All right. And is that, do you add anything to that or is that just a straight up roll? Oh, spirit plus two. Ooh, All right. Yay. I thought, I thought so. It's still a nine, though. I think I'm going to ask what secrets or mysteries has this object been privy to? Okay. So secrets or mysteries that this object has been privy to. Or it says what bands, wards, or limits are attached to this, but I assume that would just be whatever the druids put on them. Or would that be like a spell too? So as you like sit down and what does it look like when you, when you do this? Like, do you... I basically go into like a weird trance and my eyes go white <laughs> for a while and I like stare off into space like I literally look like I'm having a vision. Okay, cool. So you, you crouch down, your eyes go white um, and what you see is um, sort of, so we talked about when you did the psychometry with the ledgers, how like you saw sort of like this montage of the sun setting and rising. Um, to sort of indicate time. So you have that same sort of montage of like the sun setting and rising and it does it quite a lot. Um, and then, so you don't know exact time span, but like this was not something that happened a week ago, for example. This was something that happened like one to three months ago, probably. Um, you see it, it slows down and then it stops and it's night. It's like a full moon. So it's very brightly lit. And you see um, someone in like a long... Uh, very dramatic black cloak uh, come in and like dig around in the dirt um, towards the center of the area where everything is black, like the very center of the um, contamination area. I guess we said it would be called. They dig around in the dirt. They pick something up from the dirt and tuck it inside their cloak. And then they do some magic. You don't hear what words are said, but there's a very, very bright flash of orange light. And then they turn around and walk out and nobody sees them on their way out. Um, or you don't see anyone see them on their way out. So I definitely come to and I relay that to these guys. And I'm like, Black Cloak, who who would who would that be? Mm, none too sure. Can you show me where uh, they were digging around? Yeah. 
and I and I point to the area. Do you walk into the area, or do you like uh, save your? I like, I like <laughs> go on my tippy toes, like to the barest of the like the dirt, and I'm like, over there, <laughs> right. Huh. And I, if I have to, I like I like take off my heels and I like tiptoe through the area <laughs> with my tail. Uh, I, 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 I can I can get it. Do good, do good. I will try and make a search for, of this area. Try and pinpoint the spot and sort of all right um, root around a little bit. I don't think it's over there. It's over there. <laughs> and Nancy's standing on the sidelines, like, no, it's three feet to you. Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out if I need you to like roll for this mm-hmm. so there's a certain amount of information that i'll give you so like you go to this spot and what you see is mm-hmm. there's it's just basically like the center you don't see anything in specific if you look very very closely you might be able to tell that like at some point the dirt was disturbed but like like i like nancy saw in her vision this was uh, quite a while ago so this isn't you know going to be something as fresh as like even an experienced tracker like iro you know, somebody digging in the dirt three months ago, the rain has fallen since then, the wind has blown since then, it's not going to be super apparent, like, exactly how big the hole was or anything. Um, you see that this spot, you notice that this spot is, like, directly in the center of the contamination area. Like, the contamination area is a rough circle. Uh, and then from there, it's sort of, like, concentric rings of death and decay from there on out. Uh, so this spot is, like, directly in the center of that. If you want to... Mm-hmm be more than that there is there's an assess role which you can do with mind yeah which seems like some of those questions could be potentially useful yeah that's what i was thinking okay so yeah he'll pull out like a little handheld spade and sort of get on his knees and start sort of trying to make sense of what he can find that's gonna be uh eight all right, so you get one of the following questions, which is what potential complication do I need to be wary of? What do I notice despite an effort to conceal it? How is blank vulnerable to me? How can I avoid trouble or hide here? What's my best way in, way out, way past? So I think, yeah, uh, what, what can I find despite being... Despite an effort to conceal it? Yes, yes. Okay. Sorry, I didn't mean to talk over you. No, you're um, good. I interrupted you. <laughs> yeah. Reading, reading all of the questions, I worry, is tedious, but uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows their options. So... You're, you're digging, you're like sort of shuffling around in the dirt. Are you like digging deep or are you just looking at like the topsoil? I'm, I'm not digging, I'm digging past like the very surface layer, but I'm not digging deeper than like a foot or something like that. Okay. I think what I'm really looking for is not necessarily even like if there is evidence of like, oh, there's a charm or something was removed here or something like that. A lot of times when someone is rooting around they'll leave something behind mm-hmm. and i'm just trying to find some evidence of like someone that also had been digging in this area whether they dropped something some scrap like a thread or something like that or something yeah. that i can find that suggests okay someone was here we can tr- we can start with this yeah so i think what makes the most sense um given what you're looking for and given the situation is that you sort of dig around and you find a scrap of the cloak okay. um this is like it's actually a relatively nice cloak. Um, it's black. It's not like silk, but it's not cotton either. It's one of those like sort of in-between fabrics. Um, I don't know what the 1920s equivalent of like bamboo rayon would be, but it's something <laughs> like that. Um, it's a relatively light fabric and it has like gold embroidery on it in sigils that you don't recognize. Uh, right. So like it, it's something that was like torn off their cloak as they 
walked away. Ara sort of pulls this up and, you know, takes note of its superior craftsmanship. <laughs> and sort of looks over at Fox, looks over at the thread, gets up, and sort of hauls over. He's like, I found this. Uh, might have been left by our uh, intruder. Looks like maybe you might shop at the same sort of quality establishment as the two of you. You ever seen anything like this before? And he hands over the thread to sort of... Have I? Yeah, why don't you roll first, and I will tell you how much information you know. Nice. (laughs) They're super nice. I rolled two, right? (laughs) Yes, you rolled two. Okay, seven. So you get one of the questions off of the assess part of this sheet. I mean, I could do what do I notice despite the effort to conceal it. There's not really much of an effort to conceal it, but what do I notice? Yeah, so like the thing that you notice immediately is basically what... Iroh already picked up on. This is, you guys' names are fucking me up because I keep wanting to say Orion instead of Iroh and I keep wanting to call you Fox and you notice the same thing that Iroh noticed which is that it's very well made. Um, The embroidery is clearly done by hand by someone who knows what they're doing. It's not something that I've seen before though, like specifically. Well, so what you notice is when you flip over and you look at the back of it, you notice that there is a very tiny um, stitch mark. Uh, So when you go to an expensive tailor, sometimes they will leave sort of like the equivalent of an artist signature on it. Oh, how convenient. You're right. Yes, exactly. And you notice, you notice this stitch mark that is like the artist signature for this specific piece of embroidery. And you immediately know which tailor it is which is like one of the very few high-end tailors that will work with um, magical clients. So you know exactly where this cloak was embroidered at. Does uh, he have a name? Or they have a name? Do you have a name in mind? Frederick Applebottom. Okay, Frederick Applebottom, the fancy tailor. <laughs> I love this. This is great. <laughs> His specialty you is... Where them Applebottom jeans? Oh, from Mr. Applebottom over there. From Frederick's. The fancy you know. tailor. Catering spe- tailor. specifically to Fancy Nancy only. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, you know that this is a Frederick Applebottom original. That's a sentence that I just had to say with a straight face. <laughs> that was not a straight face. <laughs> but I said it with a straight voice, kind of. <laughs> You tried. I tried. <laughs> uh, they can't see my face. They don't know. <laughs> but we can. So do you share this revelation with everyone else? I'm really waiting for it. I really need you to say out loud where this thing came from. Oh, yeah, I need that. I oh, yeah. I, I recognize the signature. It's from Frederick Applebottom. I'm sorry. <laughs> Frederick Applebottom. Uh, oh, yeah. He makes the Applebottom yeah. jeans. Yeah. It's just a fancy tailor. Huh. You haven't heard of him? I mean, I thought. I, I don't think I don't think I run in those circles. <laughs> right, right. You don't I, know Iroh. He's all about that dirt and plants. That's so. Well, all the better. Uh, whoever this person is, if you know who made it, maybe they uh, know this black coked individual. Um, I would like to examine it though. Okay. If fancy can. Oh uh, right, yes, yes, you can. You can do that. another roll. I could do some more rolls. So I grab it. Let's see. And I don't get anything. What is it? Is it a failure? Yes. Okay. So in that case, what happens is you grab this. Accidentally oh, set it on fire. Oh, so, okay. So on a miss, um, the emotion of the object overwhelms me, and I take one minus one ongoing for the scene. 
Okay, uh, well, it's good that this scene is almost over, that y'all about to peace out of the sacred forest, I'm assuming. Yeah. Uh, instead of the emotion overwhelming you, what happens is that you pick this up and you go into your light trance, your eyes go white, and you get like sort of a zap almost. Um, this piece of cloth has been warded specifically to prevent the kind of thing that you were trying to do. So you get like a very strong zap and um, you have a very bad headache. <laughs> Excruciating yes, headache. That's a not euphemism sounding word for it. You have a very bad headache and you're going to take minus one forward. Okay, so I go into my trance, I get zapped, and I get kind of get knocked back and I drop the alcohol. Oh, whoa. You all right? No, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm just going to need a minute. Let's let's go to Apple Bottoms. I think I- Iroh scoops this thing up and puts it in one of the containment satchels that he's got. Where do you keep these? Do you have in like my many pockets. fanny packs? Okay. No, this duster has like 15 different pockets. That's Most right. of them have you herbs have and like stuff. You like don't have like a utility belt, like Batman. You know, He's got like some little... cargo overalls. Yeah. Iroh's fashion. <laughs> He's got like a, a belt full of pockets. Like, you know, when you go to the Ren Fair, you yeah. just attach well, them to your belt. I'm glad that I'm glad that it was pockets inside the duster because I was going to give you shit if you had a million fanny packs. <laughs> but. <laughs> well, no, that's, that's where I keep my protein bars <laughs> you gotta stay energized when you're out on the field it's true it's very important hey you know those gains you know where uh uh this this apple bottoms tailor's shop is yeah of course let's pay him a visit and see what they have to say all right so y'all trek out of the forest get back in the car and have another extremely slow thoughtful non-accident prone drive have you figured out what kind of music fox listens to yet death metal Okay. Oh. Okay. Well. Okay. So it is kind of like being in a uh, fancy uh, in the motorcycle. Okay. <laughs> Iro is in the back seat, and he is just not into it. He is just like staring out the window, just waiting for the ride to be over. I'm picturing it as being like Iro's sort of position, sort of um, composure during this like death metal ride, as being like when you're on the bus and the person next to you is listening to something extremely loud and you're just sort of like doing this number where you're scrunching yourself up really small and staring out the window and like trying to read instead of hearing anything like you're trying to turn off your ears through sheer force of will yeah there's no way that he's gonna say anything but he's just like (laughs) such a good polite boy man old person (laughs) a good polite dad (laughs) someone Um, a way to make it awkward (laughs) that's what I do it's my specialty uh, it's the title of my autobiography. So you uh, make your way across the bridge, and this particular tailor is in this part of town that is, um, for those who listen to the one shot, the sort of air one shot, it's in the part, same part of town as Penelope's shop is. Um, it's like a very sort of classy uh, shop district where, like, your car and Y'all's outfit, um, Iroh and Nancy's outfits are going to fit right in. Iroh might stick out a little bit. Um, oh, how the tables have turned. <laughs> <laughs> so it's um, like this very nice, um, it's like got the equivalent of like the Louis Vuitton shops and like the really expensive stuff. And probably somewhere on the street, there's a uh, antiquities store with a secret back room. And when you um, go into this tailor shop, like a little doorbell rings and it's, it's really nice, but it's all, it's like fairly small. You've interacted with, um, with, I can't believe I have to say this name over and over again. You're welcome. You've interacted with Mr. Applebottom before. <laughs> Please tell me what he's like. Very flamboyant. Uh, he's 
quite older, like uh, in his 70s. Uh, he knows his shit when it comes to clothes. Uh, so everyone goes to him. All right. A lot of um, people go to him. <laughs> right. And so I imagine that he's probably one of those people who is known for being eccentric to the point yes. where like, it's probably sort of an open secret. Tell me if you think that any of this is off. Um, but it, I imagine it's probably sort of an open secret that he like works with magical clientele from time to time. And like, but he's just, he's like one of the top three tailors in town. So the normies just ignore that. Um, and the people who are the magical clients who can afford him, like, have some sort of do you have a specific hand signal that indicates that you want like magic work to, that you're not one of the that you're a magical person or would you even have talked to him about that since like you're not obviously magic yeah i, I wouldn't know yeah because i'm yeah i'm not really one of the magic i'm barely magic <laughs> well you're does not he, like want cloaks or anything right you like yeah. tailored suits like, yeah. yeah fox yeah, just looks like a normal yeah, yeah fox looks like a normal guy who just yeah. comes in for like tailored suits so Mr. Applebottom like would RuPaul and just be that eccentric. Yes. Oh yes. Okay, great. <laughs> I was thinking there's a specific touchstone that I was thinking of, and I can't remember his last I, name for the life of I me. I first thought of Tim Gunn. Me but too. Then, yeah. then you said eccentric, and then my mind immediately went to RuPaul out of drag. Um, I was thinking of Simon. I can't remember his Cal? last fucking name. No, his first name is Simon. Simon Cowell is not an eccentric <laughs> boy and gay man. He's British and he worked. Hey, we didn't say gay. <laughs> oh, sorry. My bad. I just, <laughs> that was where my brain went. Um, he worked on the displays for Barney's for a while. And he was always like extremely, he wrote a bunch of books about style. He's always impeccably dressed, but has like one thing that's a, a little off. So he'll be wearing like three piece suit tailored to the nines, like well accessorized cufflinks tie, and then have like an extreme, like a neon pink mink shawl or something on top yes. of it. Like that's kind of what I'm picturing. <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> Live your extra life. <laughs> Tell me how, how the, <laughs> when I'll RuPaul there for a second. How does Ira react to being in this store? I think the, um, honestly, the whole neighborhood kind of puts him a little bit like on kind of uh, uh, an anxiety trip because he knows how out of his element he is yeah. and so he's very willing to just sort of like fade to the background and um, keep, keep to himself and, and l l let these two run the show and right. I'm like oh come on Ira don't be such a blue nose no that's, that's fine it's just which means killjoy <laughs> I, I, I'm an adult man I've been lit <laughs> Just you, 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 you take you take her. You take this is her. like it's like the meme of like when you show up to your friend's Halloween party dressed as the Baba Duke, but it's more of a adult eating wine and tapas vibe. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, what do you say when you walk in? The, like, tell me, tell me. Yes, this is this is what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for this good, good uh, Fox social interaction content. <laughs> Hi, <laughs> uh, we, uh, this is going to sound really weird, um, but we found a cloak or a piece of a cloak. Your watch is so re real quick, are, are we talking to him immediately or are we talking to like the, the clerk up front? Who's, who, who's um, sort of the audience for this? So I imagined that it would probably be just him. So like there's, I've been, I've definitely been in stores where like, it seems like there's sort of a tier where it's like, 
there's the really, really small cheap stores where like you're always interacting with the owner. And then mm -hmm. there's like that sort of mid-level tier where you almost never interact with the owner and it's yeah. always a clerk. And then there's like the really, really expensive stores where you always interact with the owner. Got and it. I was sort okay. of picturing this as being like that tier of store where yeah. like you walk in and we're like, Mr. Applebottom, darling, how are you doing? I need to talk to you. <laughs> so, and right. And so there's like a back room where like the assistants are working, mm -hmm. but he's always, um, he's always the one interacting with the customers. There's like a big, there's like a, one of those glass cases that has some accessories in it. So there's like some really nice cufflinks, some um, like, couture neckties. Uh, there's a lookbook on top of it for people who want like a specific style. There's a dress form and he's, yeah, let's just go with the um, impeccably tailored three-piece suit and then a neon pink like mink shawl. And he's got those like half moon Dumbledore glasses. And um, I imagine like dark hair, a little bit of graying at the temples and he's like working on the dress form. And so as soon as you, you turn in, he's like, oh, hello. How are my beloved clients today? Yeah, we found this piece of a cloak that uh, we found it in the Sacred Gove and uh, loving your shawl, by the way, honey. Thank you. Um, and it's got your signature on it. Um, Ed, do you remember making it, maybe? Um, oh, let me see it. I'm assuming you just like hand it over. So oh, you... Uh, Iroh oh. had it, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. One sec, I've, I've got it here somewhere. It's... Um, yeah, uh, uh, nope, that's, uh, you don't want that. <laughs> things um, just, like, falling out of his pocket. I just, like, oh, that's, uh, And on Applebottom's face is, like, horror as dirt is falling <laughs> in his shop. Sorry, sorry, I'll, I'll I that. imagine it's, like, horror, but also a little bit of intrigue. Like, There's, like, an assistant that runs over his immediately cleaning <laughs> Right. <laughs> ah, here, here. Uh, yeah, let me uh, yeah. open that up and... Hands over the scrap. All right. Yes. And he's like, okay, thank you. Um, and he like picks it up by a corner because it is dirty. So he sort of like picks it up like with his thumb and his forefinger by a corner and is like looking at it. He's like looking over his glasses and then pulling them back up and like examining both sides. And he says, um, you know, I do remember making this, but as, as I'm sure you understand my clients value discretion. So there's only so much I can tell you. Um, how much information are you looking to get? Um, well, uh, oh, darling, we just need a name. That'd be a good place to start. That's awfully specific. A race, a gender, something. <laughs> Give me something, dear, to work with. So he looks at it and he looks at you guys again. Um, let's do, let's do persuade an NPC, which is when you persuade an NPC through seduction, promises, or threats, roll with heart. On a hit, they do what you ask. On a seven to nine, they modify the terms. I imagine Fancy shops here when she can, but I imagine that Fox has probably spent like a lot of money here over the years. So you probably have more pull with like him as a client. Yeah. Fox, offer a bribe or something. Come on. <laughs> I imagine Nancy has lifted more of his clothes than purchased <laughs> That's it. That's probably true. <laughs> <laughs> I got a nine. Oopsie. You got a nine? Yes. Plus? Uh, that, that is the plus. Oh, that is the plus? Nice. Cool. Good math. Good math <laughs> yes. job. We did it. Yeah. Good work, everyone. We're all adults and we can do it. I math. count to can nine. We, can I roll to help him? Be like, Assist. come on, come on. You know, like, because I am helping in this situation with my links. Yeah. So tell me, what does it look like? What does it look like that you're helping him persuade? So I'm like, oh, come on, darling. Like, you know, I'm, I'm already pressured. I'm like, we just need a little piece of information. I'm not I'm not trying to do anything. You know, how about we buy something? Fox, do you want some new cufflinks or something? Come on, sir. Give us something over here. All right. So roll 2d6 plus your link with Fox. 
I got a 10-11. Okay, so they take plus one forward, which bumps the nine to a 10, so that makes it a complete success. I'm like, come on, give us something over here. I'm dying. Well, I suppose, and he, he, he looks at both of you and he goes, let me... Let me go check my records. And first he walks to the door and sort of like looks down the street and um, flips a, a sign or something. One of those signs that says like, we'll be back in an hour or whatever. Like, we'll be back at this time on the little paper clock. Um, and she puts down the blinds because he wants to make sure that like he's not seen talking to people, giving information. He goes into the back and gets his record book. You can see it's one of those back rooms where like there's not like a like a door door. There's like a curtain or something. So he leaves it open and you can see him standing at a desk and like flipping through a ledger. <clears throat> the ledgers make their appearance again, uh, flipping through a ledger and sort of like looking at the scrap and then flipping through again. And then he finds the right date and he um, like picks up the book and takes it out back to the front. He goes, OK, I actually don't have that much to tell you because this customer paid extra to keep some of the details uh, discreet, um, but this was purchased about three months ago by a Marie Robinson, and she provided all of these. Um, she provided the designs for this cloak, uh, the embroidery. When I asked her what they meant, um, she immediately clammed up. She was not. She wasn't. She wasn't talkative like you are, Fox. She was just not interested in talking. She wanted to pay and get out, which is not really how I run things in this establishment. But you know, her coin spends as well as anyone else's. So, and she paid extra for the lack of details. So she paid for this, paid for a rush job, and I don't know. I don't know specifically which group of magic users she's working with, but she's definitely a magic user. Um, I don't know. I, I got the impression. Uh, because she asked if I could do more of these if need be. I got the impression that she's working with a group and she's not a lone wolf, so to speak. But unfortunately, that's all I can tell you. Not because I don't want to, just because I don't have anything else in my records. Well, that was quite informative. And he, like, stares at Nancy. Oh, I'm going to take these cufflinks <laughs> over there. <laughs> All right, so he goes and, and he gets you the cufflinks and um, does like the fancy like fold it up in tissue paper and then put it in like a bag that's like a dark navy blue bag with like gilded uh, filigree, like gold filigree on the outside. And it has like the logo in the front and very fancy script. Uh, and he hands it to you and um, goes and like opens the door and says, is there anything else I can help you with today? Fox, do you want to get do you want me to get started on your next masterpiece? Huh? Uh, not at the moment, but I'll be back. All right. I understand. Uh, I know you will be. And so he goes, all right, well, then have a nice day, everyone. And he readjusts his neon pink shawl and gets back to uh, gets back to pinning things on the dress form. Bye, Mr. Applebottoms. Talk <laughs> to you soon, darling. <laughs> Iroh's just like, oh, God. Oh, God. How, when can I get out of here? That was good work. <laughs> uh, all right. So what are you going to do now? Well, I think we've got the name of a magic user. Right. We you can... understand that they are probably part of a group. What kind of, what kind of social resources would we have as a group for trying to track down a person in particular? We do know they may not be a magical user. Even though they use it, because the Fae and normally the the dwarves 
only have one name. Well, so yeah, that's that's it could be someone who looked human. He was under the impression that it was a magical user. Uh, so like and just <clears throat> by the nature of the sigils that were brought in, like it was very clearly intended to do something. Um, because they brought in like a very detailed schematic with like graph paper, like it was to scale and had to be like, no, these have to be, um, he might've shared an anecdote with you about how there were like, he made some modifications for aesthetic purposes and this client just pitched a fit. So he had to redo it and she paid a rush fee to make sure that it was redone properly, specifically according to her specs on time. And he's not entirely sure if he would work with her again, because like, that's not how things work when you're an artist, but whatever uh, so so. <laughs> maybe a double life there but definitely not a dwarf definitely not a dwarf he didn't say she was short um i will go over what you would know as um residents of the city who mm-hmm. were um relatively active in the magical underworld what you would know about the magic users yeah they sort of fall into a couple different groups and for the most part they keep to themselves and there's also like these are the sort of loosely organized categories not everyone who is a magic owner is specifically part of a group like vex is not really you know um she's not part of like some greater order of alchemists or whatever Mm -hmm. so there is the chance that this person could be a lone wolf um despite mr applebottom's perceptions (laughs) well i mean she could be a lone wolf who's um creating like her own set too yeah so there's there's a bunch there's a number of possibilities um there's the healers and the druids who live in the sacred grove um who you all have interacted with before there's um sort of this group of people that are like folk magic practitioners like very um kitchen witchy they're kind of like forced to live on the edges of society um it's very like they're they kind of keep to themselves like it's a very i'm trying to think of a comparison um from real life but it's one of those things where it like it's very family-based like they keep to themselves they pass down their traditions from generation to generation they're not super into like sharing their traditions with just like any random person more of like a clan than a school or something like that yeah exactly um there's the necromancers which consist of like a couple of uh different groups like they the necromancers none of them really get along well enough to form like a big enough group because there's as you can as you can probably imagine there are a lot of ethical debates to be had within necromancery so they tend to splinter off in their own groups um there are alchemists who are extremely interested in sort of blending like magic and technology and don't necessarily get along with the other magical practitioners because of that um, and then there are groups of like sorcerers who are very like like a um, what you would think of like a traditional high fantasy wizard type person where they have to have like all of their ingredients and they have like they have you know robes and a big flair for the dramatic and all that jazz. So that's kind of like what you know about the various magical practitioners in Serendipity City and how they usually operate. And I realize now we should have asked if we could see a sketchbook of what it looked like as a whole or some of the symbols. Oh, oh I assume. Um, yeah, I assume like if you, because you had a success, we can retcon that and say that you asked that because that was like an unmitigated success with the two of you working together. Um, oh yeah. So does Nancy maybe get some sort of, um, I would have to touch it. Yeah. But I would only see him drawing it. I mean, more so, like, from the pattern of runes that you can see from the schematics. Yeah. Is there some kind of, like, identification of, like, did those ring a bell of any kind? I don't kind of work that way, sweetie. That would more be a (laughs) vexed thing. Could we maybe, um, you got a sketchbook or something? Can we draw them down and maybe ask Vex later? 
Yeah, um, I think Iroh has a notebook, right? Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, yeah, we doodle them down. Okay. All right. Um, is that something... Well, actually, we can ask that in a second. I was going to say, we did talk about last time about having some sort of, like, note-passing system set up at the bar. Mm, so, yeah. that might be something to consider um, leaving a copy of at the bar or something. Sure. And we There's already asked if we had they had, like, any enemies or anyone they could suspect, I think, while he was at the bar, right? Yeah. So there's, I, I, I feel like there's a couple, I mean, obviously, if you want to do something that's completely off book and is not one of these options, feel free. Um, there is a move called hit the streets, which that's is what when, I was looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So there's hit the streets, which is when you, which is the move that you use to go to Reese Falcone. So this is like when you hit the streets to get what you need, name who you're going to enroll with their <clears> faction. <throat> so that could be, if you have like a go-to source in town who can tell you what the magical things are, you could also use, um, put a face to a name and oh. I would accept this. We could, you could roll with specifically with that name, but you could also roll with like those designs to see if you recognize any of them. And that would be rolling with their faction. Um, that will tell you, you might get some information on that. So you want to go and try to see if we can get some information out of the druids with this name and maybe some of these symbols? We'll see if they've uh, heard anything. And drop by the bar and maybe leave a copy for Vex? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that sounds like a good idea. Mm. All right, let's go. Keep keep the volume just maybe at like 80% this time. <laughs> I'll try. I'll keep it down. I'm still being a blue noser over there. <laughs> How does hey, Nancy alone, feel about? Old. <laughs> I'm okay with any kind of music deal. I can hang with the best of them. All right. Well, that's that's something. Um, <laughs> if it gets me to what I need at the end of it, darling, you know I'll do just about anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so <laughs> when you all go back to the bar, um, when Dolores sees you walk in, she uh, she says, "Oh, uh, are you all okay? Like, how's how's it going? What, what do you mean?" Do we look There's like we're no not emergency okay? this time, darling. You can rest your pretty little head over there. Well, that's good. But I might take a drink to go. <laughs> she had yeah. to do a sippy cup. Yeah, in, in, <laughs> in one of those to-go cups that we keep around. Yeah. Yeah. You put a lid and a straw on it, dear. This is not... Do they have like plastic straws? <laughs> oh, God. Maybe. I don't know what kind of hey, yeah. in bars in Louisiana you can you can go through a drive through bar. I'm saying there are And this is a speakeasy. <laughs> so? so it's literally illegal. <laughs> I can get a flask, guys. That's, that's a flask. That's a good point. You you could have just fuck off. <laughs> I'm not the cops. I'm just looking out for you. Uh so um I'm going to say knows what that means. <laughs> what that meant. good old Dolores knows what I'm talking about. Um <laughs> I like to imagine that all of that just happened, like, in character. Oh, 100%. In front of yeah, Dolores. Like, I'm, like, fussing. And I'm she's like, like, I just want a drink to go. It's not a big deal. God. She's, it, like, doing the ping, the, the face that you're making when you're watching a ping pong game, like, going back and forth uh, as she is, like, filling a flask up with, um, what's your drink of choice? Rum? Between the sheets, dear. Right. But if it's in a flask, a mixed drink is not going to work. You, you shake it and you pour it in the flask instead of a cup. I think you're going to be better off with liquor. Do you guys have this argument a lot? <laughs> I think, I think, I think Dolores takes enough Fine, pride in her yeah, craft. I'll take, I'll take what Vex likes. A little tequila with some lime, okay? Okay. Dolores takes too much pride in her craft to put a mixed drink in a flask. Um, Fair enough, darling. And I was going to give you rum. I feel like rum. I feel like some sweet rum is a fancy. Well, then give me some sweet rum. 
<laughs> Jennifer's like, oh my god, I didn't assume. I, Iro, sweet summer child that he is, would be like, I just split the difference. Give it half rum, half tequila. What's the That's trouble? That's a bad idea, darling. You don't want an upset tummy later. I feel like somebody has tried wanna... that at some point, and I want to know how it went. Um, it was awful. <laughs> they died of dysentery. They died. I don't know. <laughs> dysentery. Liquor induced dysentery yes. on the Oregon Trail. Do you do you think it's spiced rum or just like sweet rum? Sweet rum. <laughs> I'm just I'm I'm fleshing out the I, world. Iro is already like holding the door open, like all right, well, so so she fills that up, but she goes, oh, oh, um, she hands you a flask full of sweet rum. And I have like a little garter belt that I just kind of slip it into and put my dress back down. <laughs> and Iroh covers his eyes as he's holding up the door. And Fox has gotten a shot glass full of water for Link. Uh, oh, yes, from. yes. We're and terrible alcoholics here. Iroh <laughs> so, gets in the backseat of the car and just like waits. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Dolores is like, oh, oh, um, before I forget, when you hand her, when you hand her the sketch, she goes, oh, oh I right. haven't. Oh, <laughs> are you going to? I am. Once we get in the car and turn it on and start to leave, Iroh is going to jump out and go, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> okay. Dolores, I, I need you to uh, hand this off to... Uh, Vex and Charlie when uh, when you next see him, if that's all right. I need them to give, give me their assessment. All right. Could, um, could be relevant to the job. And when you hand that to her, she goes, oh, that's right. That's right. Um, and she sort of like, she sticks the the sheet that you just gave her and like, you know, on a shelf. And she goes, they left something for you all too. And she sort of like ruffles around through um, some. It's, some not like, an, it's not an IOU. We have to pay for them or something, is it? Not this time. All I right, think they learned right. their lesson after last time. Um, mm. <laughs> and she pulls out um, a, like a, a note scribbled in just horrible handwriting. I'm going to go ahead and say Charlie has horrible handwriting just because that seems fair to me. It's <laughs> a damn glove you won't take off. <laughs> and um, He loves that glove. You does. don't understand. It's a note that says um, be back later. Uh, this is definitely magical. Someone is intentionally sabotaging the forest. And like, and then it's just signed like C and V. I mean, I think we knew that already. Right, but they didn't know that you knew that at the time. Listen, sometimes it takes half a day for Charlie to figure out what everyone else already knows. <laughs> right, okay. He does drink a lot, sweetie. And you, you don't? Should, you should adjust his tab just a tiny bit. I'm normally working. I'm allowed a few drinks now and then. And that's where we leave Iro, Fox, and Fancy for the day, getting prepared for the next leg of their investigations. We'll catch up with them soon, but not before we see how Charlie and Vex are spending their time. Thanks for listening to Serendipity City. All of our player and cast information is in the show notes. In case you missed the news last week, we now have a Discord server with a channel for Serendipity City. The link to join is in the description. You can also now enter the NPC name lottery by tagging us on Twitter with a tweet about the show or writing a review wherever you listen to podcasts and tweeting a screen cap at us. Don't forget to check out the Patreon to get sneak peeks, behind the scenes content, NPCs named after you, or other bonus stuff. We're only a few dollars away from our first goal, and once we meet that, we'll do a bonus episode of Serendipity City with me as a player, playing Fiasco, which is a really fun game that's very well suited to the tone of the podcast. If you want to see that happen, make sure to take a look at the link in the description and also on our site at serendipitypod.com. 
You can find the show on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or Tumblr at the links in the description. Many thanks to patrons like Melody Burton for making it possible for me to spend more time on this. We're playing a combination of The Sprawl by Hamish Cameron and Urban Shadows by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz Truman, with a few things added in here and there from Dungeon World by Sage Latora and Adam Coble. All of these are hacks of Apocalypse World. Sound effects and music were a combination of public domain and free to use, with a full track listing in the episode description, and Battle Bards. Our next episode will go up May 22nd. If you're enjoying the show, please consider rating and reviewing or telling a friend about us. That's the only way we find new listeners. Thanks again for listening and have a great day. 